Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Views from the Friend Zone podcast. I usually say happy Sunday, but has been that happy of a Sunday all week. It's been very tough for that. Rest in peace, George Floyd. There's so many different rest in pieces we can discuss. You know, the climate's really tough. I, I think it's a great uh, prodigy. There's a war going on outside, no man is safe from. And I just feel like we're literally up on the, on the gates of a civil war, you know what I'm saying? Between the haves and the have nots, the oppressed and the oppressors. And it's really tough, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to say it's a war, you know, people against cops because there's good cops out there. But at the same time, just like how like we can't let the bad apples in our community as African-American represent us all, in the same token, the few bad police people, but we have to say something. So I'm not going to be I want everybody to talk. So, you know, I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves on the panel. Starting with. What's up, y'all? It's Open Shirt Poppy. <laughs> What's up, bro? Our guest. Sean, welcome back. Yes, introduce yourself, Farmer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sean Farmer. Yeah. Uh, third time back. Thank you for having me back. No doubt, no doubt. Give give us a little bit of your background for them to know why you're the perfect person to have this. Oh, <laughs> well, that's mutual. I'm the perfect person because my book is out. It's called Becoming Blue: um, Understanding Police Culture. So I was a police officer. I was in law enforcement for 18 years, 12 years as a uh, local police officer up in um, Westchester County. And uh, when I was a young man, I was a military policeman for six years. And um, as you all know, now I work as a mental health therapist at Rikers Island. So I wrote this book, sadly, sadly, I wrote this book in 2017 and it's uh, very relevant now. It's going to be relevant. It's going to be relevant this year. It's going to be relevant in the next five years because things need to change. But I hear you, bro. So this book was wrote, written. This book was written in the aftermath of Ferguson and those issues. If you remember, the 2014, 2015, yes. 2016. I wrote this in Mike 2017, Brown. and here we are again. Yeah. And then Cliff. It's your boy Cliff Brock Bernard. Yes, 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 man. It's tough. It's 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 just it's just so tough what's going on outside, right? Like we I can't condemn the people who are out here looting, but at the same time, understand that it's a call for protest and then while we're protesting, people are looting. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to get confused, right? Because there's people out here peacefully and validly protesting, and there's people who are using the distraction of people protesting to loot. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to sit there and tell the looters, oh, you're the worst person in the world, but I'm letting everyone out there know who's looting that you're really taking away from the movement. And the fact that they're having, you know, policemen disguised in, in other gear as part of the looting looting crowd and, and the, the negative protesting and the quid quo pro and there's some FBI agents, there's all kind of conspiracies going on. But the biggest thing that people also need to realize is that there are a large portion of non-minority people who are looting out there. There are some who are protesting, but there are a large portion who are looting and the looting is getting 
particularly tagged to the African-American and the brown people, but it's a lot of people who are not minorities taking advantage of that looting. You know what I'm saying? That's a, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, but I think that it's important to remember that um, although our minds are, we have complex minds, although something is horrible and horrific, it can still be understandable. So I, we work, uh, Mr. B and I, Von Hump and I, at Rikers Island, and I often have patients that kill their own mother. I have one patient that, no names of course, but stabbed their own mother through the brain, with a, through the eye to the brain. And I used to, before I started working at Rikers Island, I would ask, why would a person, oh my God, how could a person ever do that to their own mother? You know what I ask now? What did the mother do? Wow. And that's real. Because then you do the background and you see the abuse. Turning tricks in front of the kid. All kind of people selling the kid for sex. And then you're like, oh, that's why he killed his mother. And it makes a difference. So horrific acts can be understood. Not justified, ever. Not ever justified, but understood. And that's a black, great... Black, white, whatever. Yeah, that's a great point that you make, right? Because a lot of times... You know, when we're on social media and we, we hear from the, the other side or other people saying, oh, looting's not wrong, the way people are reacting is not right, but they never fail to take the accountability of what caused the looting, what has caused right. the protests, what is the catalyst to all this? They're not speaking yeah, out. They let, they let the looting and the rioting and violence um, overshadow the main point. And the, and the right. protest as a whole, and, and the people that's out there doing it for the right reason. You see what I'm saying? That's why when you mention all the people, the ops, as they say, in the midst of the protests, claiming that they're doing it for you know all the injustices against Black people, but they're doing it to incite riots. They're doing it to give police um, excuses why they can then be violent. You know what I'm saying? They're tagging up walls businesses and stuff like that because some of them are placed there to do that and what does that then lead to now the president can release the authority to bring the military in you know what i'm saying it's a means to an end you know because if it was just nothing but peaceful protest um that the president and the rest they can't have no reason to then increase their level of force or bring the military in you see what i'm saying and more restrictions into our community. Cliff, Cliff, yeah. what's your thoughts? You've been quiet. Um, the whole looting issue is taken away from the good things and the justice that we're trying to do, and it also enhances the media to, to have another outlet to say, you see, that's why it happened. The thing that happened to George Floyd is justified. So you got people in disguise. You got people frustrated, and I get it. But that's not the answer. You looting and destroying your own community instead of going outside the box and then making certain issues and, and justifying why what why are you protesting is not the answer. All you're doing is enhancing that media to say you you see what this is the reason why uh, um what happened happened. You understand? The CNN, the Fox Five, all 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 the media outlets that don't give two shits about black people. I'm frustrated because as a black person, I'm scared to come outside now because I don't know what I'm up against. Yeah. And you know what I mean? I sat back and I realized I'm like, yeah, what's going on? 
Because now it seems like it's an every two month thing. Every that, two, two months, it's the same cases in the last six weeks. It's not every two so, months. You know so, so we look at it and like, oh, you know, I like I don't know the lady's name, but she's talking about, oh, this is what we're frustrated with doing this. But the whole looting thing, you got you got to take a step back and say, where are you looting at? Yeah, I mean, one thing I have to say though, and, and listen, I'm not I'm not condemning the looting. And, and, and the violent protesting, but they have taken it outside of our community. They they they, they destroyed Beverly Hills. They destroyed Union Square. You know what I'm saying? They destroyed a lot of, of Manhattan, uh, Salt Lake City in the downtown area, Chicago, Michigan Ave. Michigan Ave is like our Fifth Avenue where we have Dior and stuff like that. They're destroying out there. But one thing that they're saying also is. And this is not coming from the mouths of African-American people. These are coming from the mouths of other white people saying that when they do see the looting and the destroying of property, it's white people who are, who are leading the cause of stealing things and looting. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that they, they are the, 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 the lead catalyst all over the place, but a lot of times when, when things are being taken and things are being stolen per se, it's the distraction that they're using. Before we get into the show, another thing I want to say is there's a lot of false stories being let out there, right? So we have to take our time to like really, really see what's what's going to be the end game. One story I want to share real quick is that two stories I want to share real quick is the example of how people are using our time or our voice or our platform to do, to do reckless stuff that's going to get pinned back to us. There was a white man in Utah, right? You guys have seen this story. With he, the bow and arrow? The, news, the white man in Utah, the news came to him. He bloodied on his head and said, oh, you were attacked on a protest? He said, they said, what happened to you? He said, I took my head out of my car and said, all lives matter. And two African-American men attacked me. Then they had follow-up footage of what happened to him. The man had a bow and arrow. He was shooting at people with a bow and arrow, and then a large contingent of white people started to, to bash him up, right? It was white people who was bashing him up. Majority white people who, who attacked him. But when he had a platform, he ignored all the white people who, who was beating him up and said it was two black men who did that to him. A false story, right? But when, when, the, when we don't get the time to get the full story, we take these 30-second news clips. A woman in, in a woman in Minnesota in a wheelchair said that oh this her up. Then they had footage she was stabbing people. She was in her wheelchair, staying in the interest, stabbing people. So then they attacked her. But if we only listen to that one clip, man, these people are savages. They're beating up people in a wheelchair. That woman didn't even need the wheelchair. She got up and was walking around off camera. You know what I'm and I say that to say we have to have some kind of strategic planning because if we just let the media only tell our stories, it's going to be a lot of false narratives. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to start the show. The, the first topic we're going to talk about is called the black tax. Everyone know that saying the black tax that there's a certain force to do everything when you're an African American person in this country, right? It's extra cost to do certain things. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks, jogging, 
sleeping in your house, going into the park to watch birds, just <laughs> at him risk working out in the gym. There's an adherent risk for the police to be called for you and weaponized against you. And we're just trying to have a conversation. Why do we continue to pay the black tax in this country? So the first question is, why is being black so costly as far as life in the chief American dream? Well, you open it up for us. Um, so when I get asked this question, I like to give an analogy that is, it's kind, it's, it's kind of frank and it kind of works. So if you work out, you go to work, you do physical labor, you go to the gym, and you get good and stinky and sweaty and dirty and grimy, and you go to the store, you buy some brand new clothes, it's a $200 perfume, cologne, you could probably cover up the stink for a while. Eventually the stink it's going to come through the new clothes. It's going to come through the perfume. It's going to come through the $200 cologne. Eventually, the stink's going to come through. The United States was established in white supremacy, meaning people, Europeans coming here and taking, we all know the whole history. I don't need to go down it. So the stink of racism has never been washed. You could give me a black president or a biracial president. You can have, give me civil rights amendments. You can... So I can go from being an animal to a sub, a lesser part of society. All the things that we were given was really perfumed and clean clothes, but we never really washed the stink of uh, white supremacy and its true meaning, not the KKK, white supremacy and its true meaning. And I always go to Dr. Clark, your children, everybody here has children, would probably, maybe, I hope not choose a white doll over a black doll. That's that's the stink of racism, and that you goes for American Indians. Way to see white is right and black is not. Right, that's the stink that's not washed away. You can have a black president, you can all these things. You can have black millionaires and Jay Z and Jay Z, whoever. None of that washes away the stink of racism, and I don't know how that's done without destroying, uh, reshaping what's here and and destroying what we have now. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it has to be completely broken down. This is not no, um, okay, well, we're gonna amend this, amend that, because a lot of these amendments now are just Band-Aids. Um, they're, they're, they're simple ways of fixing maybe a specific problem, um, but the overall issue is not being addressed. You see what I'm saying? Um, and I love that analogy that you gave, Sean, because it basically sums up what it is, is just like, you can't really say that you're correcting something that's so deeply embedded in what foundation. this society is. It's in our foundation. It's, it's gonna take a deeper commitment than just, um, let's, let's do this and let's do that. As deep as these roots were planted is as deep as it's gonna be to correct them. You're gonna have to dig them up there. Um, and I don't think we've, we haven't figured out how to do that. And really, we haven't even really tried. Society as a whole. Race, racism is as American as American pie, as in the hot dog and the french fries and all these staples that are America, racism is a big part of it. And the biggest issue is, right, the people who are power, the people who will make the laws, the people on top, they don't really necessarily want to see things 
They're just tired of being blamed for certain things and they're trying to change the narrative. They feel if they could change the narrative, they can make us forget, but they're not trying to go give up their advantage. What do you feel, Cliff? Um, I mean, it pretty much said to what Sean and Open Share probably said, but it's like it's one of the situations where you gotta step step back and look at it and not be confused what's going on because you know they give you a little bit so you could feel comfortable in certain issues, right? And act like you still, you got to sit at the table. We're not at the table. This week is a prime example to realize that slavery still exists. That man, that man murdered that black man as a slave master. He looked like a slave master when he took his life. Nine minutes? Nine minutes? You, I don't care what media outlet, if you have any kind of compassion, you could see this alone that racism still exists and things are never changed. This is 2020 and we got to stay here as four black men and be scared to come outside because we don't know what we're up against. But it's frustrating just to, just to know that, you know, we, we, as a black person, we are not being heard. Let's be honest with ourselves. We are not being heard. We are not, we are not even being considered of any power of, of what's going on in the world. So that, that's right, now, Hold up, B, let me interrupt you, please. Because as a student of history, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fight, I gotta take issue with that. Because our grandparents, our great, our great grandparents and our, and our great, great grandparents in 1920, this 2020, in 1920, it was different. Right? In 1921, it was a Tulsa. That was next year. That's the, the, the uh, anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. So yeah. while I'm not, a, I, evolution is very slow. Remember that. Evolution is very slow. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to sit here and say that everything is kumbaya because we had Barack Obama and everything and racism. Please, how dare you? What I am saying is, the same respect, we our grandfathers would look at us like, yeah, it ain't 1920. Because we can't even conceptualize what that was like. In 100 years, our, our descendants, our great-great-grandbabies aren't going to be able to believe this crap. They're going to be like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? My great-grandfather B went through that? <laughs> or my great-great-grandfather Farmer actually lived through when they actually choked a man to death on TV, on the internet. Yeah. 100 years from now, it's going to be unfathomable to our ancestors. I'm yeah. sorry, our descendants. It's going to be unfathomable. So what my point is, progress, and it's just, what we're talking about is human evolution. We, we evolved from the, from, the, from the days where you would bust somebody upside the head with a rock if you liked them and take them home. We, we, we slowly evolved. And this is a big step in our evolution. And uh, sadly, riots and pain and suffering is a catalyst to, to evolution. So 100 years from now, I'm pretty sure, you know, like I said, our, our great-great-grandbabies are going to be like, wow, they went through that. And all they had to do for the COVID virus was uh, this, and it would have been over. It you know, that's how history is. When you look back, you know, they, they could have killed the COVID virus in two seconds. They didn't know you decided to do this. <laughs> COVID took a back seat to racism. Yeah. COVID is like, yo, we can't compete with this racism thing. 
But what you said, Cliff, is not necessarily true about we're, we're not being heard. They absolutely hear, hear black people. They hear our frustrations. They hear our anger. They, they hear our gripes. They, they hear us, but... They care. Yeah, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? This country was founded on violence and destruction, right? And that wasn't us. We didn't do that. But yet we're seen as the more violent people, right? They try to paint us as the violent people. Black people are not nearly as violent as white people. Not me, nearly as violent. We're too loving, if anything. But hold on, Mom. This, yeah, this, is something that, this is something that stuck with me. And it just, it, it, it confused me more than anything. Because I'm like, what do we do? It was a picture of Malcolm X in his coffin. It was a picture of Martin Luther King in his coffin. It's, I forgot what the caption was, but it basically said, violence or peace. It yeah. doesn't matter. They both got killed. You see what I'm saying? So my thing is, we come at you peacefully. You find a way to kill us. We come at you on some aggressive shit. You gonna find a way to kill us, but I'd rather come at some aggressive shit because I'd rather take some of yours and, and have you take some of ours. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're gonna kill us anyway, then we might as well go out fighting. That's my I'm, I'm on that mindset. No, I, I definitely, I definitely hear you. We, we always talk about that offline, and, and it's very tough. I, I want to uh, piggyback on something the farmer said, right? Because that's that's the saddest part about all of these things, right? They, they systemically have redlined us and, and, and created segregation. And then when we have prosperous communities like Tulsa, Oklahoma, even as Rosewood, Florida, remember the whole movie about Rosewood where the guy or the woman, the sure. husband, the massacre, Rosewood massacre, right? Black guy would rape her and they wind up burning through the whole town for this Tulsa. It was a very prosperous town. Tulsa was a also had his own airport, had banks, had hospitals, Black Wall Street, right? And, you know, they use, they use the guise of, oh, someone from the town raped someone to come through and burn down everything and stuff like that. And I say that to say, I think that has kind of made us not start, you know, perishing, creating our own communities and necessarily want to get money and then move into their communities and hopefully they accept us. But I think we need to develop that mindset again. And, and then while when we create the new Tulsa, the new Roadward, we also create an updated version of the Black Panthers and other strong militant-based organizations that police our communities as well. Yes, yes, we can have you know state-funded, city-funded police officers as well, but we need an extra second layer of security where we have, you know, visual eyes on our community, protecting our own, right? Because the, the toughest thing about um, we're seeing with the, the writing and stuff like that, another point that's kind of being, uh, once we stop rioting and once we start looting and stuff like that, Gucci, Dior, Target is going to build back. But mom and pop shop who gets destroyed, most of the time, the insurance that it takes to really build them back up is too high for them. So they wind up getting insurance just enough to like you know, cover some losses, but not to come back again. So a lot of black small businesses that get destroyed are never going to come back. Yeah. It's a point that you made, Mike, how we, we learn revolution from them. One of the biggest turning points of this country was the Boston Tea Party. 
that they took all the teas that they were being taxed on from London, dumped them to the water. That's one of the signs of change of this country. So rioting and looting and things of that nature is an American-based practice. They just don't like to see it done now when they feel like, oh, it's brown people doing it. And even now, it's not really the brown people who are really necessarily leading the way. You know what bugs me out, bro? At one point, going through our history and everything, I was definitely like, oh, my goodness. Segregation is horrible. We shouldn't be segregated. We should all be together, live as one, and have the same, yeah. this, that, and third. But now that I think about it, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. I, I feel like maybe segregation is a good thing because if it was to give us our own community where we could function and thrive in, let them have their own. You see what I'm saying? And then, I mean, you, you're going to have problems in every community either way, but at least I feel like we would be more together as a people. Because right now, okay. Black people's main problem is we're so divided. Yeah. And you will never see strength in division. So, I, I, I'm sorry. No, that's basically what I was just saying. The, the key thing that segregation did, that was kind of horrible now versus how it could be a little different now is there wasn't no separate but equal, right? The, the, key, yeah. the key was having separate but equal. That wasn't the case. We was given deplorable conditions. We was given third-rate accommodations. I think nowadays, even though our resources aren't as great as you know, other, other races, we still have enough to create acceptable separate you know separate facilities and not necessarily separate but i just feel like we need ownership in our in our things we need ownership in the places we live we need ownership in the hospitals that we go to we need ownership in the stores that we shop in grocery stores we need ownership in the banks so that we can have you know fair accommodations you know what i'm saying of standards segregation before was like Let's give them chitlins. Let's give them pig feet type shit, and that'll be there. We need we need access to the. Good. Go ahead. What you're saying makes it makes great sense, but a lot of times we are brainwashed. Not, we are brainwashed not to support each other. You know, like we already got it. It's not. It's not where it's like okay, and, and whatever you do, it's not like okay. I'm gonna make a million dollars. I want to see you make a million dollars. I want to see Mike make a million dollars. We are brainwashed not to support each other. Not just that's just an example in general. So a lot of the times we can't get stuff like that done because we don't see enough to be like, you know what, let, let, let's get it done and have our own community. So we don't need to go outside the box. So that's what that's what happens. We 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 learn to accept that, you know what, this is the way things go, and this is how it's supposed to go. And 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 it's sad, but that but that's the truth. What's the reason? What's the reason why? What's the reason why we don't got all our money in in black banks? Because, because you, I, we had this discussion before, right? Like I said, I have, you know, I have my money spread out in certain banks. I have a good portion of my savings at Carver Bank, which is a black owned bank, but I also have money in J.P. Morgan Chase, Barclays, which are other you know, predominantly white-owned institutions. I think it's so hard in today and that for us to find established black brands that we quote-unquote can trust, right? 
We even have trust issues with our own stuff that we do have, right? Because we have the stigma or are they gonna do right by me? Is my money gonna be there if it goes bad kind of stuff? We have to kind of develop that kind of trust in our own products, but we've been brainwashed to not think that. So it's hard. It's hard to like go get a mortgage from a black owned bank, right? It's easy for you to walk out your door two steps, Bank of America, City Bank, or Chase is right there. So your mind, when you come home from work, I know there's a Bank of America on the corner, but if you wanted to get a mortgage from Carver, you got to go 125th in Harlem, you got to go downtown Brooklyn, you got to go somewhere in Queens, or you may not live there. So we have to be able to establish, you know, where we can get our resources, have a sort of like guideline to it, and at the same time, develop that. At this point, it feels like we are being hunted for sport. Are we on the verge of a racial war, right? Because the way, like, we see the video of how George Floyd was killed. No, I don't care. And, and former, I, I'll let you talk because you, you, you have actual. There's no way in my conscience that that officer felt his life was threatened by George Floyd. No. And the way, the way that went down, and then another thing is, Mike, you did, while you're walking so we don't hear the feedback, another thing, that, another thing that um we also have to realize is, is that there's no accountability for the taking of the life of a black man. It's been circling around how Mike Vick got more time for killing a dog than any of the cops who've killed a black man has got combined. And that's something that, that just speaks volumes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like there's no fear when you, when you see these videos, you never see the cop panicking like, oh shit, what did I just do? Damn, I made a mistake. It's always these calm attitudes like business as usual. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, Farmer, you can speak to us. The question is, yeah. like we're being hunted almost like as if it's a sport to some of these people? And do you feel like we're on a verge of a civil war between the haves and the have-nots, the oppressed and the oppressor? What do you think? Um, so, no, I don't think it's a civil war. I think um, What I think what's happening is suffering um, that's going to come from naturally the suffering that's going to naturally come from the disorder, meaning the racism that was never cleaned up. It was never addressed. Nobody really wants to address it, especially if you're talking about, listen, I got a nice house. I got a pretty nice life. I drive a pretty nice car. You know, I got a pretty good job. I went to school for it. Nobody really wants to disrupt, turn the system upside down until. So that's the way things change. And to understand these Phenomenon, even the, the 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 COVID or the police situations that we're going through now, you must become a student of history, because none of this is none of this is new, none of this is new, and, and, and it's if you know how nature grows, how a tree grows, it's not new. It slowly we evolve from what they called us nigger on the street, right, to where we are now to the civil rights movement, right? To where we are now, to where we're gonna be when your children and your grandchildren are our age, when we're long gone. It's all evolution, so we must remain unemotional. 
We must remain unemotional. And when you're unemotional, it's not easy. I'm because we're talking about groups. Listen, if you and I are sitting here all as rational men, but we go outside in, in that group, whoa, 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 that group mentality, do you understand what that does to any human? And if regardless of race, that's the thing I wanted to point out, and I'm not an apologist for anyone, but I'm gonna be factual and I'm gonna be and I'm gonna be intel use intellect and intelligence. The groupthink mentality and brutality of power. In Haiti, everybody's black. They got police brutality. It's about power. Don't let us not get ever. Let us not ever get it twisted. The black cop could be the worst, and then look, you're talking to an ex-black cop. I could be the worst. I could have been the worst than any of them white boys was ever. The black cop could be worse than any white cop. Am I lying? So don't let's not get fooled by race too much. That's about power, and. As far as the race war, but why are they not why are they not doing it to um white people? Why 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 the cops aren't violating um white people, whether black cop or white cop? They don't they don't and violate. Got, um, the there's no such thing. American people. There's no such thing as a black cop or a white cop. A cop is a blue. Yeah, you're right. Okay, and and they're not violating white people because white people write letters. <laughs> Y'all want to get into it? White people write letters. Black people just, when somebody dies, they might protest and burn up their own shit. White people write letters and will destroy your career and have you standing tall before the man. White people know that, white cops know that, and black cops know that. How we police on this side of town is different than how we police on this side of town. This side of town, oh, yes, yes, miss, whatever. And on the other side of town, we putting on our black gloves. Mm -hmm. And that's real. That's today. That's when I was a cop. That's today. I participated in that, you know, unconsciously. I didn't know. Because there you are. I'm on this side of town. I'm on that side of town. I'm policing differently. It's so you, you were conscious it's of that? Conscious. You, you wasn't conscious of that? No. At the times, I wasn't conscious of that. Until later, and after um, conscious, not, not always conscious of how I'm acting on one side of town and how I'm acting on the other side of town. I didn't really have that problem because I'm not gonna be beating up nobody on no, either side of town. But, mm -hmm. um, but that being said, if you, uh, in my book, there's some there's excerpts of situations that um, black cops find themselves in that, are, that, that um, it's like, wow, awakening. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, if you go, it's, it's, it's awakening situations. Like, I didn't even know I felt like that. Yeah. I didn't even know I thought like that. Wow. I felt like just from watching the video going back to George, George Floyd. Yeah. One of the people that pissed me off most in that video besides uh, the cop with the knee was the Asian cop standing there watching this. And That's at times it seemed like... That's his brother. Yeah, yeah, I found that out later, right? But even more right. so than that, because at times I feel like even he was like, damn, I want to do something, but yes. I can't. I yes. feel like he's stick to the he's, good old boy system. Yes. He's, he's yes. behind that blue wall of silence, and he's more fearful of what happened to him on that side of the fence. Yes. Does intervene than what these people out here getting upset, you know, will do. And yeah, that was exactly, like, yeah. You're exactly everything you said is exactly right. Um, I, I, in fear. I forgot what, um, it was, I don't forgot who made this quote. It was some, some, a famous person, I'm going to paraphrase. It was just like, 
it's worse. Worse than the people who are doing the oppressing is the people who sit by idly and not watching, don't say anything when they have a chance to say something, especially of the other side, right? Because one, you don't differentiate yourself from the, the evil people that you look like. And two, you not saying nothing means that in, in some semblance, you kind of just be like, well, it doesn't affect me, so I approve. You know right. what I'm saying? And, and that's the problem I have. Sometimes I speak... You know, I have I have cop friends. You know, I have white cop mm -hmm. friends. I have black cop friends. And one of the, the the toughest things that I hear when I speak to my white cop friends is just like, "Oh, you gotta understand the people that this happened to are a different class of people." You know, what I'm saying they're not like you. They're not hardworking people, educated people, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Regardless, this is my thing. When you see that man and you see me, you don't get it. You don't give them a chance to get, to put out their resume. For you to say, right. I went to UB, I got a master's, I work at this place and stuff like that. The first thing you see is their skin and you react that way. So even though you know me and you know who I am, you able to treat me a certain way. Look at me. I got a chain on. I got a hat on. I got pods in my ear. I got a jersey. Me walking down the street, you can't differentiate me from George Floyd. Right. Ahmaud Aubrey. You know what I'm saying? From, from Mike Brown and stuff like that. I look like Mike Brown. Or, 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 or my little brother or my son. What's the difference? You know what I'm saying? So, or a point yeah, called so black cop. Exactly. Just like a point yeah. called black cop too. Exactly. So, Cliff, you've been quiet for a while. What do you do? You feel like we're being hunted like it's a sport? Do you think we're on the verge of civil war, racial war? What do you think? Um, I don't know if we gonna it's gonna be a real war because we'll do enough to the point where it's not going to take off that that far, right? Like, listen, the protesting and everything else is going whatever too, but trust me, it, 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 we're not going we, to, we, we know better enough and we system and our, we brainwash to know that we, you don't kill no white man. That's just the fact. You don't kill no white person. So it ain't going to be no easy one, two, three, um, Cause if you kill, listen, you kill somebody, you kill some, you kill, you kill a white person, not to be racist, whatever, too, boom, you want to get first degree murder. That cop, they gave him what? Third degree? They charged him with murder and yeah, second degree in Florida. Okay, whatever. So, so let's call a spade a spade. He probably would do five to seven, three to five, if that. Well, three to five. Arrested, everything, everything's going to be breaking down. And you follow me, you know that. Three to five, if that. So three to five, if that. He's coming home, and there, there's a lot of KKK and white supremacists who owns good business, good businesses that he'll get another good job. He'll be, he'll be head of security at a big company because he used to be a police officer, making way more money doing that than he did as a cop. But that's yeah. what I'm talking about. He will get another good job, and life will go on after the three to five years he served. Me or you or any of us do commit a crime like that, vice versa. Our life and career is over. So yeah. we know we know to a certain extent how far to go. So oh, it's not going to be a racist war or anything crazy that's going to go that far. We're, we're protesting and we're standing there for us. It's a great thing. But we know how to step back and evaluate what's going on. B, you're bringing up a good point. Let's take it to let's take it to Rikers Island, okay? Let's take it to Rikers Island. And when you know inmates sometimes are feel like they're being ignored and they're in a the cell and nobody's listening to them, they 
you know, whether that's true, that's not what we're talking about, when they feel that way. And so they have no power to do anything but what? Flood their own shit and burn up the, uh, their own stuff. That's what, they do. that's what they resort to because they, they have no other recourse. The, you, we keep talking about the racial war within, within the question. Marv's question is the, the, the war is already occurring. When a person is scared, right? We know this. If a bully's beating me up and I'm scared to hit the bully because of what you said, Mr. B, I'm going to burn, beat myself up. But I'm going to get looked at. Like, you know, you see special needs kids, right? And they hurt themselves. It's the same thing. We're all human. We forget that we're all human beings. We're all human beings. Rioting, all this stuff did not come out now. This is going on throughout history, throughout history, in France, in, 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 in every civilized society have been riots. Before America existed, there have been riots. It's human behavior. It's human behavior. It's not evolved. We're not, it's, it's, it's not evolved. It's, it's very primal, primate human behavior. When they smear shit on the walls, that's prime. That's primal behavior. When you burn up your own stuff, that's primal behavior. When I can't beat you up, so I beat myself up. That's probably cut myself or hurt myself. I want to hurt you, but I can't, so I hurt myself. That's what's going on. That's the war. But yeah. I can't go up against New York City police with no guns. That allowed them to use their guns. guns they got more than me. That, that's what the people kept saying. Oh, we need more guns. <laughs> And we need to be protecting ourselves. But if we're not organized the right way, we won't even get a chance to listen. The big part about how how even our protests were cheating differently. You see all right. these protests, the tear gas, the rubber bullets, and stuff like that. In Michigan and other places, those people came to the courthouse with AR-15 guns. Which even if you have a license to carry, you don't have a license to carry that gun on the street walking around. But they came fully. fully and, and the and the police did nothing Screaming because they the don't being aggressive and nothing happened. We they don't want that kind of action. They don't want to let off a shot and then shots is flying everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I hear what you're saying, Sean, about the NYPD has more guns, so to speak, but they don't want to get into a shootout with a group of people who also have firearms because now their lives are really in danger. Even with so us, just right? throwing the guns will be a sign. That listen, let's not take this to the next level because the next level is a shootout. So nobody wins. Nobody wins, right? So in that in that type of situation, we won't. Like, let me just say one thing. Even with us, with when we legally carry and we have the the right to carry and stuff like that, we don't get to the point to show that we have our license to carry because as soon as we reach, we're shot up. So how do I legally have a right to carry? You ask me to see ID. I go to show you the ID, and then I get shot. Now we're talking about Philando um, Castillo. Yeah. Castillo, yeah. But this is the thing. This is what I feel like. And I agree with you, Sean. The, the war is already taking place. So it's not will it lead to. It's already taking place. It's just in a different form than what you would expect. Um, I feel like they're testing us. and It's like a child with a parent, right? Um, I'm going to keep doing stuff just to see how much you'll let me get away with, right? The system, right, is now is now saying to us as black people, we're going to keep doing stuff just to see how much we can get away with or get over with with you guys. This goes back to uh, uh, Rodney King, 
maybe further back than that. But I'm gonna start with Rodney King. That was um, what was that? '92. I forgot what year that was. Yeah, around '92. Those cops got off. When those cops got off, they were set. They want to see how he's gonna react, right? Because it was obvious. You got video. You got all the evidence you need. And these cops still got off scot free. And yeah, what did they do out there in LA? They rioted. You know what I mean? They they acted a fool a little bit. So they was like, okay, well, they'll do that if this happens. We can handle that. That's no biggie. Then we're going to kill, you know, have cops kill such and such, and the cop get off once again. You know what I mean? Every time they're like, well, let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. If it's something done that to the level that where they feel like, okay, that's not that bad, we can handle it, it's going to keep happening again and again and again. Can I help you out with your scenario a little bit? Because I know, I know, as you're speaking, I know what I'm saying, and I know what some people might be saying. So let me, let me, what you, what he, what the brother means by they is the consciousness, the a daily consciousness that somebody is, I'm better than somebody because of the color of my skin, or somebody is better than me because of the color of their skin. That's a daily conscious. That leads to people getting disrespected. That leads to people's being killed. So it's not, the they is the consciousness that every day we go out thinking that somebody's skin color determines their worth, wealth, worth, excuse me. That, that's what who's, a, it's not like, hee hee ha ha, there's some room of they. They is real. They is the, every day, if you look in the mirror and go out about your day and say, that white guy's better than me, or that black guy's less than me, and it's not that clear, is it? It's, it's deep down inside. The you day is systematic you oppression. If you with a black guy, it's not the same energy as if you're on the elevator with a white guy. That's the energy that develops people putting their knee to another man's throat till they die. Yeah, that's the systematic oppression. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's in all of us. And that's the, that realness comes out one day in all these incidents that we see the girl, the woman in Central Park. Uh, talk about progression. She didn't say nigga. She said... Uh, she said the African American. That's that's right. My life. She said, but she said African American. I thought that was hilarious. She was politically correct in her racism. Politically correct. Only in America. Mike, you jump for it too. What's funny about that is, in her mind, she was being politically correct and not racist because she said African American while being racist using the cops to fall right. on him, right? So it was it was just like, okay, you had the decency enough to think to say African American and, and, and be politically correct. <laughs> you racially well, using the police as your privacy. Well, my point, right? My point was that's the they, that conscious we, thinking or unconscious thinking. And we thinking about conscious thinking even with the Central Park and the, and the situation. These are all learned behaviors. Right. This is, this is something that their parents told them this is acceptable. This right. Those are learned behaviors. You can't tell me these people, the, the, things, the stuff that's happening, they're going outside the box. Or this is learned behavior. And I think it's not proper training of how you deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not coming at all cops. But come on, this can't keep going on. It's, and bigger, then, it's bigger than the cops. And that's this why we can't solve it. It's bigger than that. Go to your five-year-old. Go to your five-year-old, your, your child's five-year-old classmate and do the Dr. Clark study. Which doll is smart? Which doll is pretty? Which doll is, which doll is a good guy? Which doll is a bad guy? 
Yeah. Go do that with a five-year-old right now and see yeah. what they tell you. And then you'll know the status of racism. Because five-year-olds, babies don't lie. They don't know about money. They ain't trying to make it. All they know is that's the black guy. I don't want that. That's I got to try that guy. with my that's son. I'm going to try that with my son. Yeah. I never did that test, man. But another thing also, it, like you said, it's learned behavior, but it's also the stimuli of seeing how right. easy cops get away with killing black people, no percussions, or how aggressive cops are towards black people. So that's why these white people feel like, yo, if I call the cops, the cops is going to take care of this yes. problem. Real not ask me what I did wrong or how I play into the situation. They know that they don't take time to investigate. It's right. a reaction. It's immediate cause and response, which is the so problem. Let me, let me touch on that real quick, Marv. The police, I've always said this when I was a police officer and even now I'm trying to explain to people. The police is the government. It's the lowest form of government. If you want to touch the government, so to speak, if somebody, a Martian, said, what is the government? And you said, I want to show you the government, you can go show them a cop. That is the government. That's why they win in court. The government's not designed to lose against herself. Yeah. So the same thing occurs when a cop does something and it's caught on video now our day and time, the government killed that man. So it's like, oh, that was one bad cop. It's bigger than one bad. And we and, and police officers know this, and we no cop no police officers know this and they dread the day. That they they all dread the day that this, that this guy put his knee on this man's neck. I used to fear riots. Because I didn't know whose side to be on, to be honest with you. Yeah. I didn't know whose yeah. side I would have been on. I used to have nightmares about, I feel so bad. I used to have nightmares about being a black cop in a riot. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, because I. I, I, I you're brutalized by your colleagues <laughs> and you can't really call your colleagues. And you know who you work with. You know who you work with. <laughs> and I was a cop back when we had light blue shirts. How about that? Let me ask this last question on this topic, the black tactics. Will laws change or must we exit the United States in the long run? And I know that sounds extreme with the Marcus Garvey kind of, kind of mentality and stuff like that. I think for a long time, we feared leaving the United States because in our head, the United States was the best country in the world. It was the home of the brave, the land of the free, Freedom was for everyone, but we know that's not the case. We know we it's not happening, and we know that it's not being respected. Another thing that quarantine has taught us is like, yo, even if we don't get to enjoy all the luxuries that we're used to, life goes on, right? And I say that to say, maybe if we find pockets in certain islands, pockets in Africa, pockets in places where we could live more freely as far as not being racially discriminated against. Can we find a new place? Like T.I. made a joke and said Atlanta was Wakanda, which we know Atlanta is <laughs> not, you know what I'm saying? But I say that to say this, can we find somewhere else for us as people of color, black people to live and enjoy ourselves that's not the United States? Or, or, or do we just have to wait for laws to change? What do you think, Mike? Um. I absolutely agree. Like anybody who's ever traveled out the country on vacation or otherwise, you have to realize like America is a great nation. I'm not going to deny that. I'm, I'm a, a veteran of the country. There's a lot of good with this country. Like, yeah, we're not, uh, um, we don't, we're not run by dictatorship, so to speak. 
Um, so we do have some freedoms, even being a minority. And there's, there's worse situations in other countries as well. But if we're going to put it all on the table, like you can have a very successful and happy life in another nation, um, whether, whether you're black, white, anything, whatever. But, but being black, I don't think racism, because racism, it, it exists in other nations as well. But I just feel like either they may be addressing it more, right? Or it's a different type of racism than that which is over here in America. And the worst thing about the racism over here is it hasn't necessarily been accepted. Like there's some people who, and, and if I talk to somebody like this and they say something, oh, you know, uh, um, racism isn't as prevalent as it was back then such and such. I'd be like, you're so ignorant. I was like, it definitely is. It's just taking on a different mask. It you know evolved. what I'm saying? It evolved. It evolved into something different. But don't tell me it's not as prevalent as it was 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. It absolutely it's is. It's just they, they say African American now. They don't say nigger. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. We've come so far. <laughs> We've come so far. Like, and it's still, and people. A lot of people, right? They don't believe that because, yeah, they're not spraying us with water hoses in the streets or sticking the dogs on us. Even though President Trump said he was ready to let the dogs out, just know <laughs> how he thinks. Um, but it's still going on. It's it's still going on. All right. <laughs> If I, could, if I could answer the question myself, if I could get a, a few of my family and friends to come with me somewhere, you know what I'm saying? If we all decide like, yo, we're going to all try it together, I can leave the United States tomorrow. The problem is, 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 is just getting that established base, right? Like if, no. we, if let's just say, let me just say this in there. I, I'll let you talk, Cliff. If Wakanda was real and I got, you know, Cliff, my, you know, my peoples to come with me to there and stuff like, like, yeah, yo, we, we, we all going to build this pot. We already know what business we're going to start. We're going to all do stuff like that. I'll leave tomorrow because there's nothing I experience here. That's like, oh my God, I love it. Like I travel, I've traveled a lot the last couple of years. And I feel like there's nothing that the United States offer me that I can't get elsewhere anymore. You know what I'm saying? As far, as far as me having people I love and being able to bring some money and a possible business with me. That's the problem. That's all it's ever about. Yeah. Yeah, but I put you on the moon with people you love, you be good. I'll be good. <laughs> I won't miss like I bring people who who's gonna cook the way I wanna cook. We of get course. you know what I'm saying? We we got cable to watch ball and shit like that. <laughs> good. But yeah. right. you get good satellite reception on the moon. I think the problem is is um you know. It's not. It's not about leaving. It, what you call it? People are scared of change, so that's yeah. why we accept certain things. We, <laughs> you, you understand? So, like you said, if you do get a couple people together and say, like you know, like Akon, Akon, you look what Akon doing with Africa and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Pretty soon, Akon said he's moving back. You know? Yeah, but that's where he's from. He knows yeah, that. That's where he's from. Akon yeah. is this. But that's what I'm saying is. If you have the resources and the like, the money and, and stuff that's gonna benefit you, whatever. Yeah, leaving it, we have no problem. But people are scared of change. First thing somebody gonna ask you is, how are we gonna make it out there? So you know what I'm saying? All those, all those become an issue. So that's why I, I'm not sure people can adapt to just leaving America like that. You understand? Now see, I look at it. I look at this question, and I'm the old man of the group. 
okay? But I look at this question a little differently. And, you know, the way I look at it is my, I got blood in this, I got blood in this game, bro. My granddaddy blood in this country. My, my, my family's sport, this is my country. I, it's, a, it's an abusive mother. It's like having a mother that beats you, but it's still my mother. And I'm, I'm and that's, just, that's the way I, I know. Now, I might be called an uncle, whatever, or whatever. Listen, I'm going to stay. I'm going to have patience. Listen, they're calling us African-American. Maybe one day racism will end. I, I'm, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm not going anywhere. I, you know, and if you stick with the analogy of the abusive mother, okay, or the imperfect parent, the pops that comes around, all right, all right, all right. Oh, this cat's drunk again. Having a drunk, <laughs> father, you know, be uh, right. You still love your pops, but you're like, damn, damn. You still love your mother, but you're like, damn, damn. It's still my mother, but that's kind of how my relationship was with America. It's my, it's my country, man. My grandfather fought here. My father fought here. I'm American. Man, I'm yeah. Native American. I got Native American blood in my veins. You know what I mean? As well as Black, uh, West, West African blood. But mm -hmm. when do we say enough is enough with the PTSD? America has given us more than their ass to kiss. We get beat up, we get destroyed, and then we, we, we start saying, well, you know what? They, things are going to change. We're like a battered woman who's staying with the husband because, right? We just don't know what else is different. We don't, you know, we don't want to disrupt what we've been comfortable with. But how can we remain comfortable in this country being treated that way? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I watched Insecure this past Sunday, and then mm -hmm. one of the act actresses, she's, she's at Cancun, a white couple in front of her goes up to the cabana or whatever, asks for a towel, they get the towel, they leave. She goes up, I need a towel, and the person goes, well, I need to see your key card. And she's like, no, I'm staying here. Like, yeah, but I need the key card to verify. But she's like, the people before you didn't show you a key card. She's like, ma'am, I don't know what you're accusing me of, but I just need a key card. And I say that to say, in America, that's the blood tax, right? Yes. We do. Like, there's been times when I was working, you know, I'm no longer there. I was working at J.P. Morgan Chase, and I get up to my floor, and, and sometimes the white people I'm on the elevator with, they're looking at me to like, am I coming on the floor with them? And I'm like, I work here just like you work here. Why do I got to prove that I belong on this floor? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, how did I get into the building where you have to show ID and stuff like that? Get up to the floor to not belong. Like, why do I have to go through that extra step to just be a normal person working at the place? Black, the black tax. America is to us. Everything it's the we black do, tax. Extra. We, even in even the places where we're living at, sometimes our neighbors, when we're coming into the building, are like, oh, you live here? The same way that you live here, I live here too. Why do I have to prove that I live here? And that's what so, it is. So, so, so what you're dealing with, what, what, you, what, we, what we're dealing with is the disease, right? We're, we're dealing with the results of the disease of racism, which is a sickness of thinking that pigmentation, white supremacy, like, means something that life is not important because of somebody's pigmentation that's what we're dealing with how we can deal with that how how we must deal with it right after this conversation is over after this group is over how we must deal with it is to remember our parents bro and our grandparents and our great well you gotta go we we as black americans gotta go back and sit down and have a conversation with your ancestors and say look what i'm doing and say listen stick to it stick to it because it's not 
I joke about African-American instead of nigger. It's, it's not, think about when Obama was elected. My mother is 80 years old. I remember the look on her face. She never thought that we'd have a, 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 a black yes. first lady, right? And blacks. Listen, and I know it's kumbaya. I'm not being kumbaya. I'm being real. Progress is slow. I have a bonsai tree that's two years old. It's this big. Progress is slow, man. And I, I know that I sound like one of those people in the 60s that was like, well, don't march. I'm not, I'm saying all the stuff that you see, the burning, the looting, uh, the, the knee on the neck, all of that is a result of the consciousness and it's natural. I don't fight any of it. I don't, some of the stuff I don't like, I don't fight it. I don't comment on it. I don't encourage it. I, I look at it and I observe it and I understand it as a scientist of what it is. This is how humans react. So my point is, Go back to your ancestors, even in Haiti, go back to your ancestors in the islands, whatever island you may or may not be from, and sit down and have a conversation with them and understand what they went through and then say, okay, well, it's getting better and know that it's gonna be better for your kids and it's gonna be better for your grandkids. It's gonna be better. I just, it sucks I, right now. Just, just, and I agree with what our ancestors been through. To watch what they go through and what they've been through, the, the way they sacrifice for their lives, for right. us to have, right? Still like, they, they didn't have access to resources the way that we do now, right? They weren't ed educated as us. They couldn't pick up the phone and figure out anything. The phone that, is evolution. Anything that I want to do re realistically outside of brain surgery or something crazy like that is, there's something on YouTube I can figure it out. You know what right. I'm saying? It's about the effort and the collaboration. I say that to say this. We've been running our heads through walls for so long in America just to be accepted, just to have equal, right? And th this is the crazy shit that, that I don't get what America is not acknowledging. We're not asking for special treatment. I want to be able to say every time I run into a cop, he treats me like my taxes paying his salary, the way he treats his salary, taxes paying taxes. You know what I'm saying? I want, when he pulls me over and gives me a ticket, he pulled me over because I was doing something wrong. Not because he felt, well, you know what? I don't understand why he's here. That's the kind yeah. of shit we're fighting for and we can't get. Brother, brother, I hear you. I hear your frustration. I hear your frustration. I'm going to give you something. Not but and, because I'm not disagreeing with you. I got a ticket the other day. This I really didn't, babe. If my wife is listening, I didn't really get a ticket. <laughs> no, no. Well, you can get a ticket now in the mail. Right? It wasn't no cop that pulled you over. A robot said, your vehicle, registration, blah, 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 is doing 80, and you get sent you a ticket to your house. That's evolution. The cell phone is evolution. Humans made this. As we evolve, our technology evolves, all these things are coming up. But the hate is in America. The the, that the cell phone, that cell phone that we have is the reason why the, this consciousness is rising up as we speak. The, the incident down south with the kid, uh, the, the kid being lynched by, by the rednecks on the pickup truck, yeah. uh, the cop with the knee in the neck, that's all cell phones. Cell phones come from human evolution. As we evolve as humans, these race issues are going to go for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren is not going to be the same. I'm not going to say they're going to go away. I'm not going to be here I 100 years. I think that's a hope. That's not I'm not going to, but I'm just going, it's I a hope for this five years. Yeah. I'm using the past as a, I'm using the past as my criteria though because this is not as 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 effed up as things are right now as horrible as things are right now. Please don't disrespect and say it's 1920 because 1920 wouldn't even they wouldn't shit that cop would have got a, a, an accommodation. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. He would have been the chief of police. That's true. If you read my book, shameless plug, go to Facebook, <laughs> becomingblue.com. Facebook, Becoming Blue. Becoming Blue, Understanding Police Culture. If you read my book, it talks about how cops like that are heroes because they're not, they're not afraid of certain communities. Cops like that are tough guys. Other cops look up to them. Mm -hmm. I talk about all that in my book, Becoming Blue, Understanding Police Culture. Go to my Facebook page. Go check that out. You know what I'm saying? Especially in this time, you know, we yes. need to understand the check it out. You know what I'm saying? The psychology. I, I, guess, right. you know, I guess one of the uh, 48 laws of power, whatever, is just like, is like, to, to, to defeat your enemy, you have to understand your enemy. You have to learn. Yes. You know I'm saying you got to understand the mentality and stuff like that. The problem is, it's like even like 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 Mike mentioned the war. May not be your enemy. Blue war. Sometimes it's just like you know, even when someone is not necessarily your enemy, they go against their own self beliefs to belong to that group. You know what I'm yes. saying? And that's something that we have to break. Like I feel well, like there's no reward for a cop to say, you know what, I'm standing up to my fellow cop, wrong is wrong. There's no reward for that. There's no, you know what, he was brave. There's just a, man, you messing it up for everybody, not everybody. There's punishment for that. You know what I'm saying? There's so, punishment for that, and that's not gonna that That's not gonna happen. In the police culture, which is a very strong well, culture. I wonder, I wonder if those three, those other three officers who were there on the scene now regret not taking that man's knee off George Floyd's neck yeah. because now they have no job. So yeah. I, w I wonder, because it's not necessary, it's not a necessary fact that they do regret it. You know what I mean? Because if that's their behavior, you know that's their behavior. But you know why, Mike? You know why? Listen, you know why they don't regret it? Because, like I said, it goes back to learned behavior. And in in, in, in the police force, they're taught to stick together. So we look at it like, you wonder if they regret it, but they're going by what the academy taught them is, you know, even if it's wrong, justify that it's right, and we talk about it later, maybe they felt that this issue was wrong. So it, they don't regret anything. They just, they, they, they're just probably shocked that they, they got in trouble for it now. That's the concept, right, Obama, even that's the concept, even at Rikers, that would come yeah, after the academy. Don't, don't yeah. disagree with each other in front of Listen, the a, no, 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 no. Law enforcement has a strict code. You don't disagree with each other in front of the inmate, even right. if that correctional officer is wrong. marriage too, right? Yeah. You don't argue in the public. You kind of take that shit behind the scenes. Right. Right. So you, you wait to challenge it at the proper time, or we write it up when, behind the scene that why, why was the issue not right? But we don't disagree. The three other people, they look like, you could tell that's an OG that put his foot on the neck. And those other three officers like, we're not going against the OG. He probably runs side jobs. I think he ran a side job, a bar. He, that black guy he killed you know was a bouncer, saying, wasn't he? They, they so, worked they, no, they work together. together. Yeah, yeah. And the no, thing so, is, he probably old. knew Joy. He probably knew Joy. They work different shifts, but you know how it is. Everybody here has been worked a job where you're supposed to get up at five, but you wind up leaving five thirty, six o'clock, etc. They've had the overlap at least once or twice in in the span. So the behavior, Mike. So the behavior is they're not looking at it like they did anything wrong, because because this is what they was taught. Yeah, they but that was the point. 
at what point do you say, okay, um, it's getting too bad. I have to step Mike, in. You see Mike, what I'm saying? You, I have Mike, to. Even, even, even you, Cliff, even Mike, sometimes I, y'all, I, I sit there and I listen to y'all, and y'all tell me whatever y'all want to tell me and shit like that. But sometimes y'all tell me some shit and I'm like, yo, bro, you were wrong for that. You shouldn't have did it that way, son. Right. Like you have to, you have to check. You even people you love, you have to check, right? Because it's just like at the same time, no, no matter what, it's just like yo, I'm gonna support you, but like yo, wrong is wrong. Think about it. Oh, they didn't even have to make his look bad. All they had to do was tap him on the shoulder. Yo, come on, come on. All right, let's go, let's go. You made your point. Pull him off. That's what. No more, more, more. You went against a cop. More, more. That fear of going outside of the box when you are committed with that fear of going outside of the box when you are committed to what is called the police force or whatever whatever gang you will call you part of a blood a blood is not gonna tell another blood yo you wrong in front of when he go defending against a crit but after he probably like yo you was bugging out you started something you understand what I'm saying so they are trained this way to learn that you know what they know that hundred percent that was wrong but they're not gonna go outside the box that, especially not in front of a civilian, not in front of a civilian. You don't do that. That's that's a no no. If I'm in my line, right? No, 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 again, shameless plug number fifteen. In my <laughs> book, I explain why that that why that comes about. There's that's good in that. There's reasons why they have that loyalty. Trust me. It's not. It's not all. It comes from like most things. It's something good developed into something negative yeah because that loyalty is important if me and you are on a job i don't we 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 will we, argue in the car we don't argue in front of this, these people on a normal job but see how that translates something positive into something negative and i talk about that in the, in the police culture but yes yeah, sticking together is a big part of it when your life is on the line when my life is on your line it doesn't even matter if i like you or not all that stuff is mixed up in it. That's the good part of it. That's the good part of police culture. Some of it, it comes, but it comes out bad in situations like this. We're going to leave this topic, so I'm going to ask, re-ask the question one time. Everybody, 30 seconds answer yes or no and why you feel that way. Will laws change because of what's going on now? Yes or no? Starting with you, Mike. Damn, that's a hard question. Um, I believe so. I believe on 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 a, a micro level, because they always give just a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit. So I believe uh, uh, laws, and it may be in a way of procedure, which I've heard different things from different cops that using a knee in the back is acceptable practice, but not a knee in the neck. So. I don't know what the law may be or what may come from this, but I believe there will be um, some type of new law in place because the politician is going to take advantage, take the opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm I'm putting this up for you know um, to be voted on." Yeah, when a big election. Exactly. So a politician is like, "This is a great opportunity for me to shine by introducing this bill, introducing right. this law, and to get these voters to vote for me." So. You know, and it may pass or what have you. So I believe there will be. Let me piggyback on what you're trying to say, because Farmer, we're gonna have you answer that next. But let me. The only reason why those officers was fired in Minnesota, because in two, 2016 a law was put in that 
if you see a cop use um, excessive force, excessive force, and you don't intervene, that officer as well as the officers who watch are fired. So that's the only reason why the other three got fired too. It wasn't because they felt that they was equally guilty. When we find out that some of them don't get no charges or they get off, we're going to lose our shit. They only got fired because of that law. So it was a slight tweak of certain law, and they put that in after the whole well, stuff. That's a Minnesota law. That's not a right. national That's a Minnesota law. So go ahead. So, right. So, that's, so, so, so I'll, I'll jump right in right off of that point uh, to prove my point um, that evolution is taking place. The cell phone in and of itself, that law being done in 2016 after Ferguson, if you slowly, again, slowly patient, the patience of an old man, the patience of an old tree, you see the winds of change slowly changing. Things like this come up and they spur change faster, but it's still going to be slow. Yeah. Now, I feel like we have, to of, wait, we have to wait. We have to wait for change more so than the other side have to feel like they have to change. You know what I'm saying? They, they can move their feet about it while we die waiting for that change. That's my beat. Yeah, well, that's, that's the reality of it. Um, the reality of it is it's so slow. I want, I, in, in my lifetime, um, will white supremacy end and will people see each other as human beings? No. No, no. honestly, we're not evolved that fast. I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, I, I believe that the human race, I believe that human beings will evolve past where your ancestors were on the, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and relation to the sun. Um, race and skin color don't matter. One day, as a whole on a mass level, we will see that. So yes, laws will, to answer the question, laws will change. Will they make a great big difference? No, but they will make little differences. Okay. And again, Evolution is slow, but we all I agree with you. Cliff, what do you think? Um, I, I think laws will train and I also I also think um I think they'll they'll they'll, they'll do special training for officers now. Because now they I, I think they'll do special trainings where they gotta train them to understand what racism is. Because if you put two cops in in Brownsville or or, or 40 Project. And and they just fresh out of the academy and they white and they only been around white people though their whole lives, they're gonna react. They're gonna react as soon as they feel like something is out of control, they're gonna react and, and, and react to violence because they don't know. They 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 don't know. So I think special trainings gonna come about and the laws will change, definitely, hundred percent. So if I I'll close it out. I think the laws are going to change. But my caveat is it's not going to change because America has developed a conscious. I just think America sees that, you know what, economically, we can't keep, if, if these riots and this kind of destruction happens every time this happens and it's happening too soon enough, economically is going to be too much of a burden on people, on, 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 on the government and the, the, the rich people to continue to rebuild what's being destroyed, especially when it's outside of the community that they care about more so when it comes into their community. But the reasoning doesn't even matter as yeah. long as it changes. So, so I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think America is going to develop a conscience, but I feel like mm -hmm. because of economics, because they want to get back to business, they'll pass a law to make us feel like, you know what, here, we gave you a bone, 
stop destroying shit. We want to get back to making money. Just like they're opening up America back again. Not because we developed some kind of protocol for Corona, because you see motherfuckers are still corona all over the place, right? People are, people are having pool parties when we haven't discovered, you know, if social distancing is working or not, stuff like that. So it's more so they want to get back to making money. They want the money to start back flowing again. So that's why we're opening back up. Not because necessarily we care how many people are being affected for Corona or that it's, it's done now. So we're going to move on to the next topic. The next topic is virtual life. Can we continue the way that we're going forward, right? Because we've, it's only been 10 weeks since we shut down, but a lot of things that are part of our everyday life, every week life, we, we haven't been doing. And like I said, we're still here, right? Like for instance, I can't see myself, even when we quote unquote open back up, going into a mall and just chilling, walking around, people who's coughing, you know, all kind because we, we used to ignore germs for lack of better words. And now it's just like, you know, I don't need everybody in my face. So movie theaters, the mall, sporting events, all things kind of change with no longer is our normal. So our question is, can we can we go forward with ad- adapting to not having that in our, our life? First question is malls, movie theaters, bars, sporting events, clubs won't recover in society for years to come. Are we okay with that, right? Because it's not like in September, it's going to be like the, the bars open up again and everybody's going to be come in. There's going to be new normals, right? Where it's just like, okay, you know what? Our capacity used to be 300. Now we can only have 100 where everybody has to be six to eight feet away from each other. Or there's going to be a glass around the bartender. You order your, your drink and he slips the glass through and you slip the money through. It's going to change. So, are we ready for that? Can can we adapt to that? What do you think, Cliff? Um, I th- I think we could adapt to it. It just it just it just who you are as a person, right? And even with this pandemic, if you're taking it serious, then you understand the magnitude of what's going on. But if you're a person that that don't give a fuck, you're just gonna keep living your life. You know, I um, funny thing about it is I was talking to. One of the correction officers that I work with, and then I was like, "Yo, you traveling right now?" And he was like, "I ain't sick. This ain't got nothing to do with me. Of course, I'm traveling." And I was just like, "That's after the that, complex that people had." After, after, after that, the conversation was pretty much over for me because I was like, "All right, he's not there yet. He's a little young too." But I was like, "All right, he's not there yet." So it just all depends what kind of person you are. And then you adapt, you know? What do you think, Farmer? Yeah, um, I think it's kind of exciting um, what, what's going to happen. I heard some rumors that they're going to start bringing back drive-through, drive-in movies. Yeah. You pull up with your own whip, with your, with your mm-hmm. girl, and you all watch the movie in the car. Um, concerts like that. Yeah. Um, drones. Uh, Drones delivering drinks. Um, yeah. What else did I hear? Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, virtual. The virtual technology getting better. Yeah. So, like right now, this will be literally uh, holograms in a room talking. Yeah. I can see walk around. That's your house. Avengers shit. They be doing that in the, the superhero movies. I, I like that, that stuff. Is that the, the the necessity is a mother of uh, of invention. Yeah. So right now I'd be in a hologram. You could walk me around your whole house. 
and I'm sitting here. People are selling their house virtually, virtual right. people's house. They get on the Zoom like this, and they walk through everything. I'm like, now imagine ten me. years when it's Zoom, or five years when this is on the next level, and I can do everything except touch and feel. I can see every room as you see it. I could, you could turn around. I could see you holograms. So I, I, so, so there's a lot of excitement for the technology part of social uh, of what's going to come from this. And I also believe that um, we're going to have we're going to go back to our worry life because I believe that we're going to have um, stricter shutdowns on these wet markets and and more um, uh, uh, vaccinations are going to come through eventually, eventually because they don't want to shut like you said to go back to your point. It's not about life. Unfortunately, we have evolved to the point that money is not worth, no gold is worth more than life. Unfortunately, we think the opposite. So um, they're going to come up with a vaccine because it's too much money being lost, not because too many lives are being lost. I think we will go back to uh, a little bit of sense of normalcy. It's like Corona has taken a back seat to this whole thing. And you don't see no social distancing or nothing like that at these protests. Yeah, people's no. out there with their mask and stuff, but that just could be just because they don't want you to see their face. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't it's think anybody worried about the out there protesting. Because a lot of people who aren't really protesting for the movement are hiding behind masks to cause distraction. All right, so we're, yeah. getting, we're, we're trying to end the show in the next few minutes, so I'm going to ask the, the last question, a sub-combination of the virtual living and stuff like that. And then everybody give their 30 second answer and then we'll give Farmer a chance to like shout out what he got going on. Shout, plug that book one more time. <laughs> Becoming and, Blue, understanding police culture. Yeah, all right. So Facebook.com, baby. The question is, right? Two questions for this. Social distancing, will it change the way people are intimate and sexual habits as far as they're, they're promiscuous, being promiscuous? And also, will it make people take a longer time before they decide to have sex? What do you think? Huh? I think I think I think it, it does. It won't change. Like, if you sexually active, whatever, or you want it, you're gonna go for it regardless. You're not gonna have that conscious to be like, oh yeah, uh, you know, let me chill out, go to This nigga still fucking regularly. It, <laughs> don't care about no corona, nothing, and, and whatever too. If you a dude that don't like to use condoms, you're not gonna be like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use condoms down too. There's niggas that have been raw dogging since they was 13 years old and they never used condoms. That's just what it is. That's the Magic Johnson press conference, nigga. Okay. Right, so, so, so what about you, Farmer? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, because you know, you know where I go. I always go to human behavior with primates and monkeys. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have sex. Period. So, um that part and it's very good the reason why and this is the reason why we eat and we have sex is because they both taste they both feel good yeah. thank god because if we if, if if food didn't taste so good i wouldn't eat it and if sex didn't feel so good we probably wouldn't have it because it's like disgusting i'm gonna share my juices with this woman's juices and it's going <laughs> if it didn't feel so good it's pretty nasty yeah. but it feels so good that we're gonna keep doing it yeah yeah. We're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> what do you think about that? You think um, I'm on the same page as Cliff. Like, yeah, I think 
This is people are just that their inherent um, natural behavior is going to continue to show. You know what I'm saying? I my, to be but honest, I, I kind of take a step back from you guys. Like I think, don't get it twisted. People are still going to want to get it in, but I feel yeah. like the whole being kind of conscious of germs and stuff. That it's a population of us going to be like, yo. I'm still going to go out there and smash, but I'm going to be a little more selective. I'm going to be more like I'm taking more of a risk kind of stuff like that. I think it's going to change people because think about it. You run up on, you. let's just say you're walking down the street, you see a bad shorty and stuff like that. You go to holler at her and she start coughing. You finishing that hollering or you keeping it moving? Depends well, on how bad she is. You don't think twice about it. You know what I'm saying? No more, but you're not you're forgetting about technology. If you're getting technology in 10 years or five, as we go on, I'm gonna be able to look on her Instagram and see her status. COVID free, age free. Ah, <laughs> be right there. Right there. All right, so we, we gonna end Zuckerberg's it. gonna be like, well, that's good. If you want to disclose your medical <laughs> and it's okay, and everybody on Instagram. I'll be a feel for some of this stuff, but I think for in the immediate, immediate run, while we open up again, I think people are going to be a little bit more selective. I have faith. People yeah, I hope so. are going to do quite a little bit more selective. But that's the end of another good episode. Thank you guys for coming through. Our studio has opened up again, so maybe in the next couple of weeks you might see us back in the studio. We haven't, we haven't decided that yet, but you know, starting with Cliff, everybody do their shout-out so we can end it. Um, this shout-out to everybody you know, who's protesting properly, you know, don't, don't let the media influence you to do the wrong thing just because of situation. It's not, every, there's not a lot, there's not, every cop is not a bad cop. But what I'm saying is just be careful out there and, you know, respect others and, and try to, try to, try to deflect what the media is giving us. They're giving us a bunch of garbage right now. What about you, Mike? Um, just love everybody who continue to support us, man. We're going to continue to talk about and discuss these things, um, because it's something that has to be discussed and that's the only way real change is going to come, man. Um, we're not going to fall asleep on this and hopefully that, um, you know, we see some changes take place, however they may be. Um, like Farmer said, you know, it's a slow process evolution, but change does come and it only comes when we are consistent and concise. We got to know what we out there protesting for and, and where we trying to get to. So, you know, everybody stay safe, man. Love is love. Farmer, you know. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, please, everyone, go out to Facebook. Go to Facebook. Um, read my book, Becoming Blue, Understanding Police Culture. There's a Facebook page. Go there. If you inbox me, I'll give you um, the book will be in print in six months. I'll send you a signed copy. You can pre-order now. You can go on the Facebook site, Becoming Blue, and read snippets from the book. All these, discuss all these topics will be discussed. Um, it's right down the middle. It's not cop-friendly. It's not against police. It's not for police. It's down the middle from an ex-cop who did it. Understanding police culture. So you understand why cops think the way they think. Um, thank you for having me. Cool, cool. Well, I'm going to close it out. Like, like everybody said, go out there, be safe. Understand why you're protesting. Understand that the, the goal is to make America uncomfortable.
to change, but not to further put fear in America's heads. We got to find a way to, to make our voices be heard, to make people uncomfortable, but at the same time, destroy fear, destroy hate, destroy racism. We out. Peace. Views from the friend zone. Love you guys. All right. Peace.